It's me, Dan, from Harmontown. You can hear episodes of our show and 30 others before anyone else on TuneIn First Play. The TuneIn app is a free mobile audio app available across iOS, Android, and Windows. Podcast superfans get even more from their favorite shows. For four weeks, new episodes of Harmontown will be available a full 24 hours early, exclusively on TuneIn. Podcasts will release their new episodes early, including feral audio shows like Drinky Fun Time, Dome People Town, and Natural. Butte. Tune in is also full of content like live sports, news, music, and audiobooks. Get the next episode of Harmontown right now at the TuneIn app at tunein.com slash Harmontown. Welcome to Twisting the Wind. You're here. Don't worry about all those. What? I'm not going to do anything. What are you talking about? It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's okay. What? It's okay. Don't try. Don't do anything with it. Don't, don't make it. No, no effort. Just let, just let the baby have the knife for now, okay? Okay. It's going to be fine. The baby doesn't know that's a knife. But it's going to stab. Welcome to Twisting the Wind, the podcast of a weird harmony that sounds like trumpets at a renaissance festival. It's like a weird trumpet harmony. <laughs> it's like a weird humpet harmony. It's a humpet harmony. It's a good bump bump for me. You gotta bump this bitch to be. You wanna bump that bump to D. You wanna bump that bed to D. You wanna rest that bed to me. You wanna kill that cat for me. You wanna save that dad from B. You wanna get chased by the dream. You wanna rust them back, the son of back to G. Presenting King Twisting the Wind with Johnny Pemberton. Here it is. The water has finished boiling. It's at a perfect temperature to make tea with. That's where we are right now. Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for coming back. Thank you for settling down in this Delta groove again. 
Thank you for coming for the first t- t- time. I know we got some FTL. Oh my God, I got it right. I know we got some FTL, some first time listeners. Uh, FTL, uh, LTL, FT, FTC, uh, first time listener, long time caller. Um, thank you for that. This is, this is it right now. You're inside of it. It's okay. Uh, everything is fine. How are you? We're good. Real good. I don't even know what to say at this point other than, um, the top the classic three things. Please rate and review the podcast if you like it, which you will. And if you don't, then just go away. Go far away. Go like, go do something else. There's no point in, uh, sullying something because you don't like it. Even though I'm guilty of that, I, I'll talk, I'll talk some shit on Vampire Weekend publicly. They can take it. They're fine. They're doing okay. They don't care about me. But either way, it's not like I, I'm not going to go to iTunes and thumb down their, their shit. I'm not going to do that. I don't know why you want to. I don't think you do. I am underestimating you. I'm sorry for that. I've greatly underestimated you. I apologize. I can see your face right now. I see the look of shame and dismay and not so much shame, but just like, really, man? You thought I was going to steal? You thought I was going to steal from you? <sighs> nope, I didn't. I just didn't want to put the money in your hand because I didn't want to touch your hand because like, it's flu season. That's what it was. Okay? understand that. Okay, number one, yeah, rate and review the podcast. Also, subscribe to it. If you haven't subscribed to it, I don't know why you haven't yet, but probably because you hate tremolo. Oh, whoa. Somebody's lightheaded now. <sighs> Imagine hate going through life hating tremolo. That would be a fucking shit lot, huh? Avoiding tremolo in all things. Wouldn't be that hard, but I think when it when it did hit, you'd be like, "Oh, what's wrong, Brian? Oh, he's has, he's uh, he's allergic to tremolo. Oh, you mean like the beautiful alternating? <laughs> How do you describe tremolo? It's almost like describing irony. But I'm sure someone who has a music music degree, I guess I could describe tremolo. What is it? It's uh, it's cyclical volume oscillation. Is that what it is? It's a regular volume oscillation that creates a, a cool sound. Here, I'll do some tremolo. This is my personal, this is what we call hands-on T. Uh, 10 and 2 tremolo. There we go. I'm going to get this for you here. Well, if you like daddy, then get him a present for Father's Day. If you like daddy, don't leave him out in that cold shed to make his own Father's Day present dead. He will be dead by morning. <laughs> that was the world's worst song. Okay, that was my press, what I call... Hey, uh, thank you for being here. This is what I call your personal tremolo. I'm sorry for all that handling noise I just introduced into the audio artifact that you are currently listening to, rating and reviewing and subscribing to and downloading. Also, too, please donate to the podcast. Easily, Easy does it. You go to Feral Audio. You click on Twisting the Wind. Twisting the Wind, a.k.a. the Executive Buffet, a.k.a. Unnecessary Edification. You go to that, and you click on uh, PayPal, and you give money. I got an email from a listener who said something to the effect of, you know what, maybe you should do, suggest people give a dollar per episode they listen to. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense, actually. 
So do that, you know. It's a, it's, it's, it's a fraction of the cup of a cup of coffee. It's a fraction of the cost of the milk from when you're putting in the cup of coffee that you have every day because you got <laughs> you got to have your daily coffee, right? I mean, I mean, you got to have your daily coffee. Wait, 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 wait. You don't drink coffee? Wait, 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 wait. Hold on a second. Uh, you don't, how do you, <laughs> how does he do, how does he do it? I don't know. How does, uh, how do you do that, Jack? How do you do, how do you do that? For a fraction of the, for, for, for a fraction of the price of a cup of coffee, you too can donate. To not the band YouTube, but to the podcast Twisting the Wind with Johnny Pemberton. Or you can also do what I do. It's called a lump sum fun dump. And that's where you go back to, I've listened to 30 episodes, so I'll give $30. There you go. Just do it. Okay? You don't have to. You don't have to do anything. Okay? You don't have to not kill people. But you know what? Sometimes things you should do them. Sometimes you should. In the winter... Fill up a bucket with ice. No, 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 no. Sometimes in the winter, you should fill up a bucket with water and put it outside and let it freeze. So you have a a big ice block. Even better than that, you can make an ice bomb by filling up a balloon, like a birthday balloon, with water and you put it in the freezer or you put it outside depending on where you live it's going to take about 25 hours to freeze maybe longer it's a lot of water you take that then you unwrap the balloon off it once it's frozen solid it's a beautiful ball and you walk up to like a restaurant like a TGI Fridays or someplace where people are having a good time having dinner or against a window and it's a busy night like seven it's happy hour on a friday or thursday you walk up make a bunch of eye contact with people holding this big ball of ice above your head and you just look at them all and you just throw it on the ground and it shatters and see it's best to do this in the summer so you have to use a freezer but you do that and people are just like what was that why did he do that and you'll know that you did it just because. And you can have friends there too. That makes it better. That's what called, that's a little donation there. It's called an ice bomb, but it's not a bomb at all. So don't get any ideas. People who get ideas about things when you use, when you use the word bomb. Okay. Number three, feel free to contact the podcast with your queries, your questions, your posers. It is twisting the wind at gmail.com. Go ahead, send me, uh, you got a question, you need some advice, I'll answer it on air. I'll listen to the music you send me, we'll chat, it's all good. Oh, I just said that, oh no, oh no, I just said it's all good, oh no. Activated the drone tritone overtone monk. Is he, is he done yet? Yeah, that's all that monk. Some monks have a really good ability to do that like for a sustained period, like with a lot of a lot of breath control, circular breathing and stuff, but not that monk. Speaking of circular breathing, I'm gonna start playing the didgeridoo again soon, guys, so um just <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm not, I don't know anymore. Okay. But you are listening to Twisting the Wind. My name is Johnny Pemberton. This is the Executive Buffet. Please take as much as you want. This is an Executive Buffet. The fact that you're even here means you can't make any mistakes from this point on. Once you enter the Executive Buffet, everything in the room is paid for. It's all, it's just, it's 100% open and available. We're all executives here. So, you know, you can't make any mistakes. It's just sort of, it's, it's be in the moment. Don't worry about taking too many bake, <laughs> many bacons, too many strips of bacon. Uh, don't worry about uh, where you sit. You know, everyone's on the same level here on the Executive Buffet. Uh, that's something I still think about because of the movie Flight, where, um, doesn't matter. It's just, it's a good idea. Executive Buffet. I'm going to make a quick call and get down into this beautiful, hot, fucking, golden daddy. This is your golden daddy. To speak to a sales associate, press three. For Geek Squads. Your call is very important to us. All sales associates at this location are currently assisting other customers over the phone. There is one customer ahead of you. So this is Valerie. How may I help you? Oh, hey, hey, how, how you doing there? I am well. So how are you? Oh, good. I'm I'm really good. Um, I, I was calling about something, but I just heard the song there. Uh, the the whole music song. Do you know what that? Who that is? I'm sorry. Which song? The song on the whole music there just now. I don't know. I'm sorry. Is there a way to find it? It just had this real like. It just had like a real pep you know i had a real pep to it just kind of like you know that um i've now yes i i don't know i don't know where that music comes from corporate i guess i'm is, not sure is that stunt rock is it what do you know if that's this band called stunt rock i don't know what it is sir i'm sorry okay is do you know how i would find out um, you can call corporate and see if maybe they know. Well, I hear singing. Do you hear that singing? Do you hear that? I'm sorry. There's people, there's people behind me. So oh, I'm they're, not sure. oh, they, they sound like they were singing. Like they knew, like, like maybe they knew. No. I'm sorry. Okay. I just like, sometimes I get so involved in myself. I, I think that everyone is trying to help me. You know what I mean? I think that everything is about me, but it's not always about me. Um, Okay, I wanted to see if you had this some do you have CDs, right? Yes. Okay, good. I I thought I was thinking that maybe one day there won't be any more CDs, you know. Um one day there might not be, but how right many, now we still have them. How many years do you think? Mm, I don't know, at least another 5 years. 5 years. Yeah, that's a good number. 5 is always a good guess when you guess the amount of time for something cuz it's like, you know, it's uh, not 10, because 10's like, wow, and 5 is like, 
you know, half a 10, but it's odd, even though 10's even. Do you have, can I check and see if you got a CD? Sure, which one are you looking for? Well, I'm looking for the Rippingtons. Do you know them? No, sir. How do you spell it? The, well, I don't know. It's, uh, you know, I'm, that's why I'm into music, because I don't do too good at spelling it. I know the person said it's called the Rippingtons. Like, uh, like R-I or... Oh, I guess. The Rippingtons. Like, like oh, uh, the cat ripped up the couch. Maybe we should call him Mr. Rippington. That kind of thing. Which is funny, because I think there's a cat on the picture of the CD. Uh, give me just a second. Do you know? Okay. You got yeah. it? I did, I did find some CDs from the Rippingtons. Do yeah. you have the stunt rock version of that? I'm sorry, which CD are you looking for? The stunt rock, the stunt rock version of the Rippingtons. It's like a remix thing. Stunt Rock is this guy, he does all kinds of, it's hard to describe really, but his music I'd say is like a blend of, um, of like, well I learned this from talking to him. I met him there, and he said it's like, because he grew up listening to a lot of classical rock, and also a lot of like gangster rap and hip hop and stuff like that. And he said it's sort of like an influence. So it's it's very sample heavy, based on a lot of uh, movies, like old beta movies on beta. Do you know about? Do you ever heard of beta? Do you know what that is? No. Like it's like before VHS. Did you know that? No, that was before my time. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I wasn't into it back then, but I mean, you know, it's sometimes people know about stuff that were before their time, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I don't remember that. Oh, but you heard of I've it? I heard of it, but I, I wasn't, I heard the the name, but I don't remember what they were until you said what they were. You don't know Stunt Rock, though? No. How would you spell that if I was trying to get someone to to to, to get that for me? Stunt rock? Yeah. Um, well, S-T-U-N-T and then rock, R-O-C-K. Okay, that sounds about right. Yeah, stunt rock. I'll write that down. That's what the genre is listed as, Jack. Uh, okay. Um, I guess, what's a good jazz that's similar? I want something to be like Stunt Rock. There's an artist called Stunt Rock, and unfortunately we don't carry his CD either, so... Oh, which ones do you have? This is Stunt Rock, that's what it's called. Okay. And it's on .com. Oh, is there other ones? Or just that that's one? That's the only one, yes. Oh, how much is it? $14.99. Is it a CD? Yes. No way, okay. Um... I'm not into jazz. Okay. So I don't know. So. Yeah, I don't I like mean, jazz either. On, like, I mean, you can get on the on I don't know Billboard 100 and see what what's popular there. What, I have no idea. So. What did you say you like though? My preference is country music. Oh, cool! I like country too. Yeah. Do you like Tim McGraw? I do. Yeah, he's good. I like him. He does the what's that song? It's like about the um. America song he does it's like a something that's real kind of sassy kind of right you know he's got a funny uh do you know what I'm talking about give me give me just a second yeah okay 
one place. If you want it, we've got 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 Oh my god! Uh, This is Twisting the Wind. I'm talking via video chat being recorded NPR style with Stunt Rock, Billy Stunt Rock. Uh, That's not his last name, but that doesn't matter. And we're talking, um, there's, that's, you're a hard hard person to intro because it's like, there's a lot to be said really about like we we don't really know each other, but we know of each other, and we've um I've been aware of what you're what you do for like a long time. Like, so you're a musician, yes. You're a graphic artist, sometimes. You're a writer. I mean, yeah. You kind of incorporate all these different things into one product, kind of. It's like this like this multi tiered creation. Like I, I'll, I'll just I'll tell the listeners. Uh, I first became acquainted <laughs> with stunt rock. As a, as a, uh, as a, what do you call it? As a, um, a young man, like a, as, a, as, a, as a, as a product, as an, as an art product. When I think my friend Dave Parisi had, uh, Dan Dormouse and yes. I believe Josh drum, Josh anonymous drummer. Yes. That's yeah. his name. Anonymous. Yep. Uh, at his radio station in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but he had him there. And it was a fucking crazy ass party up there. I mean, not like a real crazy ass party. It was just sort of like people, because like, you know, when when you're in college, you forget that to, to the out the outside world, college is a fucking joke, and it's yeah. like nothing matters, and right. everything is. So those guys had a lot of fun fucking around in the uh, studio and sort of not not they weren't being dicks. They were being like hilarious, right? <laughs> and also uh, the bacon manager was there as well. Yes. Which his name, name, his name is Mike. <laughs> yes, and we'll just won't talk about him yet. <laughs> okay. But they were there and they were giving out some, uh, some Addict Records products and they gave us the Regret, I think it was Regret 2. Okay. Or maybe it was Regret 1. It's the one, uh, what's the one for the, uh, for damaged, what, what's the, what's the title for? You can tell me. Give me the rundown. Uh, the first one is the one that was questions and answers for insecure, insecure youth. youth. Yes. Okay. And then that's um, the brown one. That's like sort of like a letterbox vertical. Yes. Yeah. That was it. That was the first. I got that I, somewhere. I don't. know. I couldn't find it last night, but I know I. It's somewhere. I know I have it. I I don't have any. So you I don't? had like I had four, and I sold them um, just this last year to some people who had been asking to get them, um, but. Yeah, that that was. You might be talking about regret too, if it was horizontal, um, and letterboxed. But well, I don't know. I remember it being like a like a vertical, like a pamphlet almost, where it's taller than it is wide. You know what I mean? Okay. Well, it's that's but probably that's, yeah, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> that's the first uh, thing I got. I remember Dave and I reading that, and just being like, "This is the most <laughs> fucked up, amazing things I've ever read." Because it's so hilarious, but it's so, so dark. Right. And that's like, and that continues through all this stuff, all the uh, regret stuff. But that's, I mean, I I guess I don't know where to start because you have so many different like iterations of what you do. There's like, regret is a product of stunt rock, right? That is a stunt rock thing. Right. It it started out when I was doing music and I kind of wanted to do something that was different, but then since it was only something that like 
20 people cared about anyways. There was no right. point in doing it under a different name and just confusing the issue. So okay, you're saying. It, it just, uh, <laughs> you know, well, let's be honest, like nobody cares about it and no one was into it. And so it was just like 10 or 15 people. So I'm not going to try to, I, if you look, the originals were kind of done under different names, but I just, right. yeah, it, it's a product of the Stunt Rock brand. The, is that having, so what is, uh, there's just so many different things here to ask about. I'm, I'm going to like probably bounce over the place, but sure. Um, I guess I just want to say a little more about, so let's, you grew up in Wisconsin, right? Uh, Northern, the, I, right on the state line between Illinois and Wisconsin. Okay. And I'm from Minnesota and as we both know this is like, this is sort of, this is a bleak part of the world. This is yes. like, the winters are damaging to say the least. And yes. it's, uh, it's bleak. It's not like, it's not really pretty. I mean, it can be pretty, I guess. I think it's pretty in some extent, to some extent, but not really like, there's no, it's not a classical definition of beauty when you're like driving to the airport and it's five below zero yeah, on like a Thursday afternoon or something like that. It's just right. sort of like it becomes bleak because of how, uh, how much it's the same and how, <laughs> like, how just sort of gray and like brown it is. But it's the so frozen, the, it's the frozen earth and it's just, yeah. you're, you're trying to exist on it and you can't. So you grew up in all that, you grew up in that situation, but you got into, what did you get in? How did you get into music? I don't, I, it was like Dan Dormouse and all those people in Milwaukee were doing stuff, but mm-hmm. I, I was like an hour south of Milwaukee. And so I would just kind of go up there and, you know, this is like high school, mid nineties. And, um, is this before Addict Records? Yeah. And, okay. Well, it was kind of like, Dan started his record labels and I just kind of latched onto that when I was like really Mm -hmm. younger and I I gave him a tape of some music I had been screwing around with and I don't know when it started. I remember in high school, my friend and I would try to make tape loops and stuff like that, but actual tape loops. Physical loops, yeah. Yeah, like we'd cut we'd record cut and paste <laughs> we, we'd record like um the you know we could i was writing between milwaukee and chicago so we could get like the chicago college radio stations and they would like be playing like early drum and bass and stuff mm-hmm. and we would tape that <laughs> then try to write <laughs> then try to make <laughs> tape loops out of the tape and run them through a tape deck and see if we could get them to play and i, I don't know why that started but it was just something i've always been into and then like even further back than that my sister and i used to just sit there and record movies off of hbo and then she would keep rewinding and play the same like vocal loop over and over and that's so cool yeah it's something where i haven't probably thought about it enough but that probably had a lot to do with it like we would just screw around with tape decks and stuff and so yeah then i started making music i made my first tape um which was kind of just like, it was, you know, like drum and bass jungle stuff, but I didn't know what I was doing. So then everything just wound up being blown out and <laughs> all the, all the levels were screwed up. And so then it's right. like, Oh, okay. Well, you know, I guess this is how it sounds. And I gave that to Dan once they were, Dan had a record store and was starting his record labels. So wait, he and, ran a record store at that time. Um, in Milwaukee? I, might, I might be a little confused, but yeah, yeah, he did. He had a record store for many years. 
And was that's it, how was drop bass a thing at this point or no? Yeah, that was already a thing too. Like okay. the whole same, Midwestern same massive. Yes, okay. massive was going, and that Dan's store was a massive store, and um, that the whole Midwest rave scene was already in full swing. But dear dear listeners, if you do, if you're confused right now, we're not joking that there was like a Midwest rave scene, and it wasn't like it wasn't like small time or anything. It was really it was big and res- it was a big respected thing that people like because it it bled out of Chicago, which has like that's where right. house comes from. That's where house music comes from, which is like that's that's not as it's not an insignificant thing at no, all. No, and um, you know, you had. Drop bass, doing like harder stuff, and then Dan started to do, to do like really hard stuff. And right. since Dan had a store, he was importing all the Bloody Fist records from Australia. That's really Australia, right? Okay, <laughs> there's a Man, lot of so uh, funny. name confusing names that no one will know. But <laughs> yeah, well, basically, we're basically talking about just really aggressive, hard, and oftentimes fast techno or like. Breakcore. That's what they always say about dance stuff. It's always followed under breakcore, which I know. But when when he started doing that stuff, there wasn't that name wasn't invented yet. So it was just yeah, like wasn't hard. I don't know. It was just hard music in general. And yeah, it was. It, it's always it's always been super hard. It's kind, it's kind of thing. But when I would when I play it for people, I'm like, hey, check this out. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like like hey, okay, you think you like f- crazy fucked up shit? Right. Listen to this. Like listen to Skeleton Chairs or listen to like uh, something from This Is Stunt Rock. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I so I he he liked my tape, and then mm-hmm. the whole thing was is I wasn't using like a. a program that synced everything up i was literally took the old cutting and pasting of tape loops i had been doing physically and i was just doing it on this like wave editing program on the on the mac and that's still the program i use to this day so uh wow but my so then my stuff was always kind of outside of what they were doing because mine Mm -hmm. was never like oriented to make people dance or or make people do hard drugs or, or whatever. It right. Was just... Or just drink as much beer as is available in many mile radius. <laughs> <laughs> right. And but uh, so, so yeah. when you gave him that tape, it was actually the tape. Was it like an original? It, it was an actual, well, it was a tape that I had made. It was like 60 minutes. Actually, it was just, right. it was the tape that became, became, um, this is stunt rock volume one. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. It was basically done. And he liked it. And then I was like, oh, you know, I was eager, 1920. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was like, oh, can I, can I do the label art and stuff like that? So oh, that's cool. how that, that's how that all started that I was doing all the artwork for that. And yeah, it just grew so you, from there. You've done all the artwork for Addict, right? That's all your stuff. Almost. Yeah. All of it is some, there's a few things that weren't, but you know. There's so much iconic stuff. It's like, there's so when I think about that stuff, I feel like I feel bad for people who didn't get to enjoy it, and it's when it was available. Like, I'm like, I think about like, like when I first. Uh, there's so much to talk about here. <laughs> no, but like, okay, I guess I'll just talk about the barn parties. That's probably a good thing to talk about, right? Absolutely. Okay, so 
I mean, all this, all my, my whole interest came out of this because of my friend Dave Parisi, who I grew up with, who also does not have a colon like me. We both had our colons removed. So we have sort of this, even though we didn't become close friends until a little bit later, like we, we knew of each other growing up. We went to different schools, but, um, right. we became kind of friends because he had surgery before me. And it was like a thing where, you know, we kind of became friends cause, just because that's like such a, point of mutual understanding it's hard to overlook and dave has like impeccable taste in music and i we have i was really into music too so we started hanging out a lot and he was dave's always been like super into the internet just like the niche (laughs) like little pockets of things where i'm like what the this is amazing this is like he always finds things that um i didn't know existed but i'm like i'm so excited to find out about because it seems like such a thing where it's this whole scene that exists that you just get to like wow you you can you can access this through the internet and he found out about white trash <laughs> white trash wrestling <laughs> right which i think that's what they called those so there's there's a maybe you should explain it but there's these barn parties and that uh happened in wisconsin that i went to with dave for the first time and it was like yeah. such an amazing experience it, but well so when i yeah, you start- can talk about that when i started hanging out with dan and gave him my tape and stuff and he's like I wasn't friends with any of those guys and didn't know them. And he was like, hey, we're we're throwing this barn party. You should come. And, mm-hmm. and it was like, okay. But I remember it was out in the middle of, of absolute nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I was kind of isolated in my little town in Illinois. Uh, and so to go there, it was only like 45 minutes away. But now to... And now that seems like nothing. But back then it was like, oh my gosh, you're going to the middle of nowhere in Wisconsin to a barn and there's a mud pit. Um, (laughs) And then you didn't even understand because there were like different houses on the property and you're like, who's in charge here? There's no one Mm -hmm. in charge. Park your car somewhere. Come around to the back of the barn. And you'd go in this barn and there's insane... there's an dog. There's a dog squeaking a toy. I'm okay. sorry. <laughs> um, okay. You'd go into this rundown barn that looks like it was going to collapse. There's an insane sound system just blaring away. There's probably some drunk guy spinning records. Um, <laughs> and then the second it got dark, there a huge fire would start yeah. and all these people would show up. It was ridiculous. Um, but I came into that when it was already kind of going on. Like the first one or two had already happened and I walked into it and it was just like, I remember I drove my car out there and it was just so bewildering. And it, there were all these people there that were all into these specific types of music. And mm-hmm. it wasn't, if you had only been going to like rave, rave parties in Chicago and stuff, that was like more fashionable. This was like yeah. dirt, dirty, like yeah, people without shirts on and covered in dirt and, you know, like, People randomly cleaning up piles of brush and just running around all scratched <laughs> up, and uh, it, it, it was like the the it was literally the kind of white trash version of of what a rave party would have been. And oh yeah, it, it's just funny because now where I live in Wisconsin, I live like ten minutes from where the barn was, so I've driven past it, and it's just like oh, it wasn't that impressive or it wasn't that you know in your in your head you're holding it up in this high regard and and now when i see it it's just kind of sad like oh we had a lot of fun there and i lost my car keys several times and but it's just a barn 
Yeah, it is just a barn. I think the thing that made it so special is the I think the once or maybe twice, but definitely once. I honestly can't remember. I can't I can't distinguish the experiences, but it's something where I was just like this is I've never felt so um so like uh in the right place. I was like this is this is where you want to be right now. Like it's it felt like the epicenter of the universe because it was like it was so um like cool, but at the same time, just just fucking absolutely crazy. Like you're saying, like it's this dilapidated barn, super loud. I think I something through like seven kegs of beer. I think I saw yeah. something like that. Yeah. Just and, just sort of like haywire kind of thing. Where I've never like those other raves I've been to, where there's so much. They're they're, they're really tame, even though like the music isn't necessarily tame, but they're definitely like you said, fashionable. Right. Yeah. And and this was like the biggest, you know, organized. Chaos, I guess, is the way to describe it because it was. You'd think when you get a lot of people who like really aggressive music and like lots of drugs and beer that there would be mm-hmm. lots of problems, but in the end, it it sort of started to achieve this like. Like I've never felt so comfortable somewhere, and I <laughs> hardly even knew half the people, and it was yeah. like just relaxing, and and you'd go there, and it was like. Oh, you're going to get too, you know, messed up to drive. And then it's like, okay, well, you just sleep in your car. And people would just sleep in your car and no one would mess with you. And it was, but the whole time, yeah, you're, you're literally just out in a field. Mm-hmm. I remember that was the first time I think I'd ever, uh, drank so much that I was sick <laughs> and passed out and then woke up and felt, felt pretty good, actually. And I went back to drinking and partying. Uh, it was, was, it was much younger, but either way, it was something where I don't think I've ever done that again. It was so gross because you'd wake up, you know, after your whatever, four hours of really, I remember once I fell asleep, standing up, leaning against my car and Mm -hmm. in the morning my feet had blisters, but you'd wake up and you'd go walk around to like the back of the barn and there'd still be people sitting around the fire drinking and there's still some, still some drunk guy spinning or something like that, like playing records and stuff. I think I we drove up all the way from Florida with two of my friends. That's crazy. The, <laughs> all the entire all the way from Florida go to to go to the uh, one of those parties. Well, I think it was a uh, yeah, it was it, it was it, a long journey. Yeah, and it started like it started out one summer where it was just kind of maybe a core group of like forty people, and then then the following summer when the music started to kind of catch on, and it was like you know. We had, there were people coming to play at the barn that were recon- names that were getting recognized kind of nationally. So, like, well, name some people. Uh, well, just, name names. The, <laughs> I don't want to name. Uh, name the, the, names. The, I remember when it started to get out of hand is because Venetian Snares, Canadian yeah. uh, electronic artist uh, Supreme. Aaron would, Funk. Yes, he would. <laughs> He came down a few times and finally it started to be like, okay, this is getting, you know, to be a little out of hand because the crowds were going from like, here's 40 people, you know, all from Milwaukee and surrounding areas and everyone knew everyone to like, all of a sudden it was getting to be people you didn't know. And that's when things kind of started to get a little more out of hand because what's, what's out of hand for that situation? Uh, just like. Well, in the in the end, what happened with the barn parties having to stop is someone that no, I don't even know who it was left there intoxicated, and I, I believe there was a car accident or something. That oh involved, God! Yeah, that involved fatalities, but it was like 
what do you expect to happen when you're in an environment like right. that where nothing's controlled? And then if people mm-hmm. are going to get drunk and drive, then that's what's going to happen. And yeah, I don't I hear it very often of bars getting shut down because some drunk asshole <laughs> left a bar and, and uh, killed himself or others, you know? Right. And I mean, there was a whole, I know there was some type of, of legal issue or something that happened and I, I wasn't, you know, really privy to everything that went on because right. I, I was just kind of on, on the periphery or whatever but uh it had a pretty good run though yeah it did and for so many people it means so much and but the problem is is it was slightly pre-internet i remember it was kind of like angel fire days it was there's a thing where if you were you had to be you had to really want to be in the you had to be really really active on the internet or you had to just really want to find it it wasn't like a thing that yeah, that's what it was. It was I very, mean, it was still it was like... Boutique. Boutique internet. <laughs> well, and then the best was when things did start to get out of control and get too big is we did, for one that Venetian Snares came to, we put an ad in the Onion newspaper. <laughs> really? And it was like, yeah, just a big like little half-page ad for the party. And I mean, mm-hmm. that's pretty ballsy for a party that's, awesome. that's no permits or anything. But yeah. um, it... I, I don't know. It means a lot to a lot of people. And all the time I've ever spent trying to organize everything and get photos together so people can have something to remember it by, it, it's just like, oh, well, everyone was drunk, so no one remembers exactly yeah. who played what and when and what happened. And I don't know. I went mud wrestling. I've never done that before. I probably never you, will again. That I was... I did it, though. Th- there was... Just to give, you know, some examples of what happened is one guy donated his car and literally 30 people um, beat his car with baseball bats and shattered it and flipped it and eventually threw it. They rolled it into the mud pit. And when I say rolled it, I mean rolled it on its over, you know. God, God, and people were just stomping that. And then, yes, there was a mud pit that people would wrestle in and... Girls would sometimes take their clothes off. Yeah. And then at some point, someone realized that the whole bottom of the mud pit had a bunch of broken glass in it and stuff. <laughs> so, like, everyone would come out and be cut up or whatever and just oh think God. it was, you know, from the mud. But then it was like, oh, wait, there's a bunch of broken glass in there. And then, yeah. It's table- so funny, like, all this terrible, dangerous uh, raucousness, that's all. No, no one really got hurt, but all it took was... You know, only, the only time someone gets hurt or ruins something is when they go back into civilization right? It was, driving an automobile. It's yep. like the quickest way to fuck something up that's good. Yeah. Like no one ever gets hurt. And like, if you keep it, if you keep it in the, uh, in the, the, the play space or whatever you want to call it, if you keep it in the, uh, the no rules area, the, it's a line. But once you fucking take it outside. Yeah. The sandbox. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I mean, it was a dangerous barn. There was a silo, and I remember one time a guy was climbed the silo and was hanging <laughs> off the top of it, like, woo! <laughs> it's like, oh fuck, that guy could fall, and but no one, you know, aside from bumps and scrapes and cuts, no one got in any trouble. And yeah, I remember, I remember that morning. I think I think someone lost their keys, or someone else lost their glasses. My friend lost his glasses, or something like that. And Dan was making the rounds. It was like. Probably like 7 a.m. or 6 a.m. He seemed incredibly sober. And he was like very nice and helpful. It was this really weird thing where like, oh, he's like, like pretty, uh, pretty relaxing, normal guy. <laughs> you know what I, mean? I, I, uh, 
the the terrible story like i said it seemed so far away to me even though it wasn't that far away but um mm-hmm. i i my friend and i jumped in the mud pit my friend jerry and he had driven separately than i and i was going to stay all night and i don't think he had planned on staying all night and we both got out of there all muddy and we were by his car and i literally i think i set my keys on his the roof of his car and then he's like, oh, I'm leaving. And he left. And I think he drove away with my keys on Uh-oh. the roof of his car. And then in the morning, it was like, where are my keys? And I had to find my friend to drive me back to Illinois. And then we could come back to the barn and get my... It's such a nightmare, but uh, good times. But worth it. Yeah. 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 So the barn stuff, that do you feel like a lot of that sort of went away just because it's like that was like a product of like the youth... Uh, like people, people being young, and also it being sort of like a a newer scene of sorts. You know what I mean? I think it was a combination of a new new scene or like a spinoff scene. Like cause, mm-hmm. you know, it, it came out of the kind of electronic music stuff, but it was definitely spinoff. Like I said, everyone was early twenties, so anytime you get people that can get together that are into the same thing, then you're going to get a little kind of blossoming of of something going on and, right but there's people that used to hang out there all the time and i still see them and they're still really uh you know into different things <laughs> okay into, the, into like not little, <laughs> not just into partying mean, not, or, yeah right well they're you know still into drugs and stuff like that right so when you say drugs like what was the what was like the main drugs that were like people were using at the on that scene you think i don't know officially because i wasn't i was pretty naive so it was just like for me to be drinking was like a crazy thing and yeah for me too i mean we smoked we smoked weed and stuff but i feel like that's that's so low-key it's almost non-existent yeah yeah but i do know that there were lots of various hard drugs i mean what were the hard drugs that were going on back then in the like uh, I guess Coke or acid. I mean, Coke, people... probably Coke, acid, mushrooms, and then wasn't was meth around? I don't know. I mean, I wasn't aware of it. If it was, I think it wasn't called meth. I think people used to call it glass back then. Glass, yes, or... yes, it was called glass yeah. because God. I remember this is like you're talking right around two thousand, two thousand one, and stuff. And I remember I played. There was promoters that like wanted me to come to Minnesota. And I would be, you know, when it would come to talk about price, he would go, I can pay you in light bulbs. And I was like, oh my what the God. fuck does that mean? And then I remembered, and then I remember seeing it where people would, you smoke something out of a light bulb? Light bulb. I think that's, I think that's, they're smoking, uh, Coke or speed yeah. or something. I don't really know. I mean, thankfully I do not really know, but. Do people uh, still do that? People, people still do everything, I think. <laughs> God, I don't know. I mean, I really. I'm not in the drug scene. There was a period of time where uh, in college I was really into to drugs. Right. Not so much doing them, but sort of into them just as like like knowing about them. And oh, like yeah. Yeah. Talking yeah. about them and stuff. I did do a lot of GHB almost on a daily <laughs> basis for about a year or more. Which nice. Every, it's something where it's hard to explain to people because everyone, everyone unless you're like, you know, down unless you're like a hip dude or whatever or like who use a lot of drugs they think like like what like that that's that's the date rape drug and just Did you, you try to, to like rape yourself yeah. <laughs> yeah 
And it's just, it's like this thing where you can't really explain how it's, one, it's a, it's a, it's like the perfect drug. And two, how the, the GHB to rape someone, they have to be also drinking a significant amount of alcohol to help. Right. So it's sort of like, <laughs> it's like the, the catalyst in the explosion. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So that was, a, that was, that was in Florida though. And that was like, Florida is like another kind of hub for dance music, but way, way shittier. I feel like right. Florida is like, that's like, like, or what's it? Uh, Tampa and like, and Tampa, Tampa, I think is probably the epicenter for the shittiest, uh, electronic music. Yeah. Which is like, like bad Cl- breaks, like club oh, music. There's so and, much yeah. bad shit. Yeah. It was terrible. So, I mean, so did you feel that did you, was a big part of, um, like Attic Records and just all the stuff that surrounded that? Like, I mean, it, it to us and when we got into it, like, um, like we listened to a lot of like, uh, like Midwest, excuse me, like Midwest techno, like Asa techno, like Woody McBride and right, uh, like Mark Verbos and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And that stuff was pretty hard. It was like a single fly flying around right now. Um, that was stuff was pretty hard, but the stuff, the attic stuff always felt like it was a uh, rejection. It was like making fun of the existing seriousness of the dance music scene, but while also indulging in it. I it's think like this, yeah. That was a big part of it because... And not again. I'm sorry about the squeaking. Um, oh, it's okay. If I don't want to like talk about something people don't care about, but again, th- there well, people was people care about it. People care about it. I think you 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 highly under underestimate that. I think yeah. Because I I don't know. I also think that there's something that I don't, I don't know who said it, but basically, you know, popularity is another form of mediocrity. You know what I right, mean? Right. Right. So and if something is has mass appeal, it's probably because it sucks and it's boring <laughs> and it's shallow. Well, so and so like there, the, there, yeah. there was like a big Midwestern rave scene and it was yeah. like, but, and it was from Minnesota to Madison to Milwaukee down to Chicago. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, sometimes over to Indiana and Michigan. And it was like, you would drive, people would drive very far to go to stuff like yep. four or five, six hours or whatever. But so. Milwaukee in particular had become a little hub of, of kind of activity and the whole, yeah, addict records thing kind of stemmed. Not a, I don't want to say like the aesthetic of like whatever saying it was a punk aesthetic or a, 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 a you know, but it, it was definitely a rebellion against that kind of like over glamorized rave scene where you think of like some fancy dressed girls like dancing to some terrible house music and so glow sticks glow sticks angel wings. And all, all right angel wings and giving each other sea breezes and um oh my god yeah <laughs> and so it definitely became this kind of like like the biggest midwestern event became that that even further festival the the techno right. one not the mm-hmm. i think there was something named further festival there was, was further like, i don't know what that was though, yeah, yeah no but this is like the the drop bass network one where it was like four days and um you know each different scenes would get their own sound systems and so it was like oh shit we can get our own sound system and have our own little corner in this giant mm-hmm. field and like it would be so hilarious just to have all these scummy people uh-huh. in, in the midst of all this you, you know like the the one 
all these bigger names would play there and then we would just be these scums in the corner and you would get like fancy dressed people walking into <laughs> it and just be like, okay, what the fuck did I walk into? I'm leaving now. <laughs> or you like get people, people who are fans of trance. <laughs> yes. Yes. Right. And they would walk into just like noise and, uh, and, and, and crunching, uh, whatever drum beats and just graffiti everywhere and yeah people in diapers everyone would always wear depends all the time <laughs> <laughs> i forgot about that yeah uh, that was like a, a popular thing and i don't know why God. i don't know if it was just because it was better than going in the porta potties because the porta potties were always disgusting at these things or if it was just like i don't know people i mean it really is a very it's a pretty punk thing it's a pretty like I guess I kind of hate that word too, punk, because it's like got so many connotations. Yeah, just right, like a right, thing right. Where it's like such a just like a fuck you to kind of caring too much. Mm-hmm. I think that's the that's such a big thing, and that's I think that even like pervades everything. I don't know. I think about that all the time about everything. How it's very easy to care too much about something yeah. to make it precious. And I thought all that static stuff, which was so funny about it, it was just like it was just so. Like in the moment, and never—it always just seemed like, like who gives a fuck constantly? Yeah. Who gives a fuck? But while also enjoying the making it, or I mean, I I think the all the all the graphic stuff that you did was like I think like that was integral and integral <laughs> to the whole Addict Records thing because I feel like they had they had like a signature they had like a like a look and like a thing where it was like this is obviously something different because it's it was always very like clear i guess i'll, I'll just i'll tell listeners i was so much fun stuff to explain here but like <laughs> those those that line of t-shirts that came out the original addict one i think was you guys hijacked the uh the paps blue rib paps, paps blue ribbon logo which was yeah, a fucking and just a great made it. thing Made, made it an Attic Records. Records thing. Well, it, you know, it was Milwaukee at the time. Yeah. This was before Pabst was the... the oh, this is well before. The Urban Outfitters Pabst that everyone knows now, so... Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, so far before that. And the um, then there was that line of t-shirts that you made. I'm pretty sure you made these where... Yes. I have one that uh, has Patrick Swayze's face, and it's sort of like a... What do you call that one? It's not like a picture. It's like a... I don't, what's like a vector drawing? Yeah, it's like, uh, it was like posterized where it's just like yeah. one, one set of values, black and white. Yep. And underneath it in bold letters, it says shame. <laughs> yeah. And then there was the, there was one with easy E that said hope and one uh-huh. with Ronald Reagan that said, I forget what it's fear, fear, said fear. Uh-huh. And then there was one with, um, Oh yeah, what was the fifth, fourth? It one? Was, well, the one was J- with Jeff, the guy who who's the mullet guy. Got, yeah, the mullet guy that got us access to the barn property. Um, and that said, that just said that regret, said, regret, right? Okay. <laughs> uh, so, so that's who Jeff is. That's who that mullet guy is. Yeah, is he's like yeah. some. Well, he uh, just had a mullet in high school. He's a normal dude, but man. he just had a mullet in high school, and it was a great just, picture. This is and that was that that was nineteen <laughs> that was nineteen ninety eight when mullets were funny still. Man, people, but they were that wasn't like funny like like it was vanguard funny. It was right mullet. That was before like frat guys had mullet wigs and stuff. This yeah. was well before that. It was the kind of thing where to see a character with a mullet like in a movie was like a wink to all like the people who grew up in like shitty midwestern towns or just <laughs> exactly. places that were they were not cool. Yeah. And I remember always thinking, like, just that's, uh, yeah. 
it's it's so weird how far the mullet has come in terms of like what it means and stuff. Because yeah, back then it really just meant like just that's it's Midwestern it, redneck, it, right? Shit. Yeah, it wasn't. It didn't yeah. have any of the connotations it has now. But yeah, and that's the Midwestern rednecks. They are. I mean, they're something else. It's a it's a real deal. It's like yeah. the they're just as. I think the South gets so much credit just because they have, you know, thick accents and they're so, like, stereotypical. But Midwestern rednecks, I think, are the best because it's like their accents are even crazier. <laughs> and it's just like, I don't know, there's something about it. Like like these nice dudes who are, I don't know, there's, there's, I've done too, way too much thinking about it throughout my life about the whole concept of Midwestern redneckism. Right, yeah. But, yeah. Um, that was like such a great image though to have on there. And the, so I guess we can talk a little more about regret maybe. I mean, I would like to right now, if we could just play one of your songs or something. Okay. Um, I don't know. I guess I could, the thing is, most of the stuff of yours I have is not on my computer. It's on, um, it's on the, I have it on album, you know, I have it on, um, I have the records. Um, is there like a track you think would be good to play right now for people to hear? Is there one you would like people to hear? Like that's a stunt rock song? No. <laughs> um, okay. That's, 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 that's like, you know, but that makes sense though. How about, we'll Stone do Rock this. Wouldn't. Here, here's a good song that I think <laughs> okay. just kind of uh, epitomizes everything. And um, now then I'll go and we'll pick a song. I'll pick a song later and send it to you. No one wants quality no more, okay? Shit is what they want. No one wants quality no more, okay? Quality. I fucking hate this music. I fucking hate this music. Prowl the streets, looking for, for carcasses, couldn't eat and get laid like normal people, right? They had to live in a filthy, crazy world. You want to fight to drink, ass fuck, right? It's the American tragedy for you. We need something to distract us. Fight and drink, ass fuck. That's all we got. Fight and drink, ass fuck. That's all we got. Fight and drink, ass fuck. That's all we got. Fight and drink, ass fuck. That's all we got. Fight and drink, ass fuck. That's all we got. Fight and drink, ass fuck. That's all we got. Fight and drink, ass fuck. That's all we got. Fight and drink, ass fuck. That's all we got. Fight and drink. That was a track from the 2000 release. Entitled Really Political, Well Produced, Super Emotional, Maximum Terror Breaks LP. Entitled There's No Selling Out If You Never Bought In. Also known as Attic Six, which Johnny will later not know what he's talking about. Because he's an idiot. He's a, he's a fucking what is it? idiot. It's got the, does it have the B E E R in there? Do you, do you sample that one? Or no, that? that's that's Dan's song. Way to go. <laughs> but that's but that's but that's in the that's in Attic Six, right? It might be. I don't know. Well, that's Distort 6. I'm thinking of Distort 6. Okay. Okay, because there's two records. Yes. Distort 6 has that Dormouse track on it with the with the B-E-E-R, which yes. I'll, I'll throw in here later.
And I also, but this is Stunt Rock Volume Two, which is the one we we're just talking about, right? Which is super. How was the title? It gets again? so complicated, like. The the super emotional maximum terror breaks contains yes. contains songs from Stunt Rock One and Two. Okay, and then um, Stunt Rock Three was the green and red one that came out on that other label. That's the one that's the uh, has the the Arrowhead patch, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So which is the one that's like overly produced political? That's Addict Six. That it's um, that's Addict Six. Okay, I'm confusing Addict Six with Distort Six. Right? Those are okay. different things. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Because Distort was all Dan's stuff that he just did on his own. But, but um, Addict Addict Six, that one had the song on that we would play on the radio constantly when I, when I worked in college radio in Florida, WVFS Tallahassee, the Voice of Florida State, eighty nine point seven <laughs> FM. Shout Call out six four four one VFS. That's six four four one. I don't know the rest, <laughs> but um, we would play that one that was like the he's number, he's number, Stun yeah, Rock, Stun Rock. Yeah, that was that was like the intro song because I always uh, like to have a little intro on there. So yeah, there was, was. But the whole record is so good, and we we would we liked it so much that we would um I kind of remembered where it would say bad words and I would fade it really fast. <laughs> so I didn't, but there was a couple times when we did let out like an F bomb. Like, uh, I'm like saying when a fuck was blasted out or something like that. But you know, sure. no one, no one noticed. I mean, yeah, that we, but, um, Yeah, that record is great, but that record especially, I was, I think I, I think I bought that at the barn, maybe about that at the barn. Maybe, I, yeah. It was something where um, the design on it is so cool, like you have that, you have you took the Apple logo and you put like this really narrow, tall crucifix inside <laughs> the Apple logo. Yeah. And still to this day, I think that's one of like, the, the funniest, most like... Like subtly abrasive comments I've ever seen in terms of graphically, like it's a fucking crucifix inside the Apple logo. Yeah, and it's like a thing where it's just I don't know. It's 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 too good to like you get it right away. If you don't right, get it, right. you'll never get it. But if you get it, it's just like oh yes, it's just so funny and it's so simple. I would point I, where well, yeah, yeah, I put a lot. I I used to. I sometimes now I look at that stuff and I'll be like, what was I was I trying to just be like. I don't know, prolific or something like, <laughs> yeah, it's a cross and this is yeah. a, co- a company. And, yeah. But I, I can't even really rem- remember what I was thinking. But then it was just like, now sometimes I'll see it and I'll be like, ha, <laughs> but there's, I, I mean, don't know. yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, if that's, I feel like that stuff is just, it seems like it comes from like a very like, I don't know, not instinctual, but it, like you just sort of, it doesn't seem like it was a lot of effort put into it. It's, I don't mean like in terms of the, the workmanship. I just mean like, like I wasn't like, I got to think of, it wasn't like an ad executive sitting around like, we got, we got to figure out a way to, to do this. Right. It was just right. sort of like, you know, that's like the whole thing is when you're, I feel like at least when I was younger, or maybe still now, it's like some of the best stuff comes when you're just sort of, you kind of just do it because you're not really thinking about yeah anything but the moment of doing it. No, and that and that was the yeah. thing. I I don't know that I was trying to be like I'm going to try to offend people because then I would make them with upside down crosses or right, right side up crosses, and so it was just like, eh. 
Yeah, I, the I upside down it... cross is great too. Hi. You're listening to Twisting the Wind with Johnny Pemberton on the Feral Audio Network. Please rate, review, donate, and subscribe and repeat. And listen and compute and roll and tuck and dodge and lick and touch and smell. Whoa, that was the hot. That was a dude. Was we a just peak, invented man. dub. <laughs> we just invented dub. <laughs> And we're back. We're back yes. here on Twisting the Wind with Billy Stuntrock. Uh, let me just have a, a question. You don't have to answer this if you don't want to. Okay. But uh, what type of beer is that you're drinking right now? Uh, right now, I am drinking a fixed gear, your, fixed gear, fixed gear by Lakefront Brewery out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And next, what style is that? Uh, it says it's a it's a red ale, but it's it's very hoppy, so I enjoy it. And um, next Ooh. up. Yes. I'm having a Hayoka India Pale Ale from Half Acre Brewery in Chicago. Oh, is that going to be a good one? This is going to be a good one. I bought a case Damn. of this. Yeah. Man, so. there's, there's so many good Midwestern beers I'm unaware of and there I can't are. get it all. Yes, yes. But it, go, it goes both ways, so there's a lot of pretty good California Absolutely, beers. Absolutely, there is, yeah. So. And every time I get one of those California beers out here, they're always uh, like um, 120 days old and it's... Not very good. I'll ship you some. We have to do a shipping. Yeah. Um, so, what Dave wants to know, and I also do too, Dave Prezi, uh, is uh, is there, like, what movies got you into making music? Is there like a, sp- a specific movie or some movies that kind of like, because your, your music is heavily, heavily sample based, based on yes. ma- mainly old kind of beautifully terrible Betamax films. Right. I just said films. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. Uh, so is there like one in particular? I mean, obviously, well, you, you go ahead. Yeah. Well, it it's like uh, my entire life and the, the whole time I've been making music, my dad had bought this Betamax player in 19, you know, whatever, 81. And he always talks about how it cost a thousand dollars and to be careful <laughs> with it. But I've had the Betamax player of his for years and like, you know, when, when Blockbuster started to take over everything, um, right. and all the mom and pop stores went out of business, they would all sell off. This was like in high school, they would all sell off their beta tapes for like, you know, 50 cents each and stuff like that. So I just started buying them and buying them. And now, yeah, I have, I have over a thousand, I think it's at like 1300 Betamax tapes. And so, of course, you know, I, that's been with me since my teen years and I'll just throw movies in and watch them over and over. And I, I would think that like there's movies that have become important to me because I sample them a lot. And then there's movies mm-hmm. that become important to me just because I watch them over and over. And, um, God, I don't know. Like, so the former, what's the former? Like as far as the ones you sample a lot? Well, Carnal Knowledge with Jack Nicholson and Art Garfunkel. Is a classic, okay. um, in my in my opinion that I've that I've probably watched you know like fifty or a hundred times. It just and I've sampled it a ton and and it's is that don't say penis in this house? No, that's born on the fourth of July. <laughs> okay, uh, man, I, that's a fun one to just to yell sometimes with friends. Yes, and um, don't say penis <laughs> in this house. <laughs> and over, you know, when I when I like first started, my my samples would be stuff like that. And I think over the years, it's gotten more and more kind of like low key and subtle. 
and not as, uh, I don't know, not as in, in your face, if you will. Um, I remember watching Five Easy Pieces for the sole reason that it, I think you sample Five Easy Pieces. Oh yeah, right? yeah, yeah, a few yeah. times. What that? Oh God, the what is this? Where, where, where the best is? Where the fuck is my shoehorn? This place is a mess. No, that's him screaming. That's, that? uh, that's from Carnal Knowledge. But then I. Oh, it is I, okay. That's yeah, like but my favorite fucking sample. <laughs> they, where the fuck is my shoehorn? This place is a mess. Because <laughs> he's so mad about it. He's mad. Like just the words. Where the fuck is my shoehorn? It's like such a funny. Uh, that is. Uh, it's a great movie. It's one of my all-time <laughs> favorite movies. Um, yeah. <laughs> Carnal Knowledge. Yep. Jack Nicholson. Oh, so, so that's like a heavy sample. It's heavily sampled upon. You watch it a lot. Mm-hmm. So, would you say that's one of the movies that kind of, kind of, I mean, which came first for you, music or movies, in terms of? Um, it goes back to to like I said, right. my my sister and I just screwing around with like tapes and stuff like that, and like just I remember there's a scene in Back to the Future where we would just like rewind it over and over and, and really? watch the like same sentence over and over cuz my sister thought it was like funny how the words came out of the mouth and what what scene is that <clears throat> I'm trying to think it's something it's like right when they shoot doc um I don't want to give it away but when when doc gets shot when they comes right. back by the like Armenians or whatever that is and he likes You can give it away now I think does he it's say, okay I'm trying Libyans. to remember, does he go, bastards, no, or something like that? And we would just keep rewinding that over and over and watch it. I don't, so I guess it's sort of one and the same, because the, the music of the, the musicality of the mu- movie. Yeah, like the lends vocals. itself and to, then, to what you do. Right. And then, you know, when I got older, it was like, I'm going to make music. And then it was like, I was already into that, like samples and stuff. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it all... It all just kind of meshed together. But then it's been a a curse for years because I can't watch stuff without thinking thinking about about that. Yeah. And so it's kind of ruined. It's hard to just passively watch movies and stuff like that, which I think is why I'll watch the same like 10 movies that I've seen a hundred times because then I know I can just put it on and not have to think about, (laughs) oh, I wonder if there's something in here or, or whatever. I have that problem if I ever get high and I'm at home and I'm watching something, especially like bad TV, like Toddlers and Tierras or something like that. <laughs> There's just so many great samples that like I, my voicemail pretty much changes about once a week and it's usually that. Yeah, just like, putting putting yeah. new little samples in there. Yeah, it's like the best one I ever had was from this documentary about Wolverines called Chasing the Phantom, I think, <laughs> which is really great. Like I, I recommend it highly. Okay. It's a great documentary, but cuz it's mainly because these guys who are into Wolverines are so into Wolverines and it's like of all the animals to be into, it is like uh, the most work cuz Wolverines travel like 12 miles a day in the most rugged of terrain. Right. Like in northern Michigan and shit. Like they're just, they're like fucking impossible to find and track. There's one point, there's one part of this guy is like, <laughs> he's saying, you know, because all these guys think about Wolverines so much, they start to think like what it would be like to be a Wolverine. Okay. There's one guy with like kind of a thick accent. It's like, um, you know, if you're going to be a Wolverine, you're, you're going to go where you want to go. Bite who I want to bite, climb what I want to climb, and chew what I want to chew, or something like that. It's basically just like manifest destiny, ultimate freedom to be a Wolverine. Yeah. I'm sure he doesn't have it in his real life, but 
that sample, like, I don't know, that's like a, that was my, uh, my personal favorite stunt rock ass sample in my life for like a while. Was that nice? Was yeah, that? it's, yeah. it's hard to even like, you know, when, if, if I'm with the lady and we want to watch just a dumb movie, even, even watching mm-hmm. dumb movies turns into some, somewhat of a chore. And I, I've kind of gotten over it now and, and don't think about it as much, but yeah, it's, they're definitely heavily sample based in everything and, and, and it's yeah. So what do you think about um like social media? That's not it's not really like a I don't know if that's really I think it's a little bit tangential to what we just talked about, but <laughs> <laughs> the crack of the can. Sure. Um Yeah, what is cause that's something that you you got to see arrive as opposed to you know it's like something you've well, it's, Come into. it's hard because, like, when you used to be or try to be a band right. in the, like, late 90s or, or whatever, and I hate to keep saying late 90s, but, you know, okay. whatever, that was the time. You just had to have your website and you had to occasionally post updates on there, but now, right. now it's like... Th- that's why I kind of got tired of playing live shows was you had to, like... Go here and tell people about it. Go there and mm-hmm. tell people about it. And you had to go, uh, like, Facebook, Twitter, blah, blah, blah. And it just got so hard to, to, like, I don't have the best self-esteem, so working so hard to promote myself was, was like, it just became tedious and, and just didn't feel very, like, like, I don't want to waste time trying to convince people to come to my show and posting things on four million different sites. And it's just annoying. I don't know. I never thought about that before. That does make sense, though. Is like I think if you have self-esteem issues, which I feel like almost all artists do to some extent. Yes, they should. If they don't, they're they're yeah. frauds. <laughs> the, you uh, you like that, that's a weird thing because you have to do this thing where you keep talking about yourself, but you yeah, you I hate just, yourself. But it's so <laughs> yeah. So it's really hard. I mean, I don't know. No one's. I don't know. People have said this in a variety of different ways, but um. Sometimes the people who are the best at what they do are the worst at so at, worst at promoting what they do. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and it's pretty uh, it's pretty common, like that. Yeah, because like it's, in terms of comedy goes, some of the worst comedians are really good at letting you know that they are comedians. Oh yeah, and that the weird. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, it's not always it's not always the case, but it just often is the case, and it's like a thing where. It's just kind of too bad, I guess. Is what it is. It's just, yeah, right. It's the nature of it's the nature of things, I suppose. And so it becomes hard to like to to promote yourself or, or promote a new release or something like that mm-hmm. when when you you have this kind of general apathy towards the art that you create. And mm-hmm. I've found myself falling into that for many years, and and now I've kind of just gotten over it because it's like. It's not bullshit, but if if I really didn't like myself that much, why am I bothering to create something? Right. Because obviously, I, I think I'm trying to make something good. So if I yeah yeah, you're doing something. Right. We should we should talk about regret some more because um, the regret instruction manual series is there's three of them, right? Yes. And the most recent one, it, which is not that recent actually, this one right here, which is number three, two thousand right two thousand eight. Yeah, this is 2008, okay. Yeah. And this one has a pretty uh, heavy-duty um, booklet that comes with it that I read through last night. It's pretty it's pretty, it's pretty, pretty thorough and incredible. 
but it's also like it's some of the darkest stuff I've ever read, but it's also the funniest. It's this weird thing where it's like it's it's really is both. But I mean I think I think the reason I like it so much and the people like it so much is that it's like clearly there's a lot of truth in this, right? There yeah. has to be a lot of honesty and and um it's this thing where you're super self-aware because you're talking about stuff like there's this cartoon where you talk about where it shows you buying a gun that you're going to kill yourself with but then it's like you're you talk about how you're too much of a pussy to kill yourself right it's just like this sort of like this cycle that's really hilarious but also just like the blackest of comedy and so i mean i guess i want to i want to know um I don't know how to say it really, but like, <laughs> I know, I know a lot of it's real, but obviously you've like, so does, does making this help you with depression? Well, you hate to, to put, put it all on that, like making a book as right. the means to some type of uh catharsis, I believe is the word. Right. Um, yeah. But like when I was making that, I was just kind of in a miserable place. Um, and it it happens relatively quick where it just all comes out. And mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to act like I'm the only person who was ever depressed or had self-esteem issues or was unhappy with the way the choices they made in your life. Right. Like everyone has that. And that's why when I make something like that, people can appreciate it because everyone goes through their own sh- stuff. And, yeah, because everyone's, everyone's, I mean, not everyone, but a a lot, a huge amount of people are deal deal with depression in different ways and different levels of depression at some point in time. Yeah, and so it's not like I make that and then magically I'm undepressed. But maybe making that and then seeing, like, if I go and look at that now, it's just like, holy shit, I was fucking depressed. But right, just the same. You know, tomorrow morning I'll wake up and something might upset me, and I'll still be depressed. But it's just different and and i don't know it's not like shedding skin or anything like that like mm-hmm. it's it's not like you officially just move on from everything because you made this stupid book that a few people like and it's i don't know it's like there's always going to be more i hope to always make more and you know if i'm the happiest person in the world you're still going to have dark days and you're still going to be like right. I'm going to think about stuff and be like, oh, maybe I'll write something about that. But this doesn't feel like a product of like a dark day. This feels like, this feels like winter. You know what I mean? This yes. feels like, because you get the impression from the snow falling and stuff and just the look of it, it's like the bleakness of winter when, like after all the holidays, this is something that people don't know, understand if they live uh, in the South, listeners, well, there's a point in the uh, in the Midwest or any place in the North where after January is over. <laughs> things just start to get shitty because February is just as cold and bleak and it's the worst. Dark. <laughs> yeah, it's so dark. That's their thing is it's very it's like literally dark because of the amount of daylight hours. Oh yeah, yeah, it's dark by 4 p.m. Mm-hmm. and uh, and actually that is a winter album. I mean that was like okay. uh that was like a December, January, February thing and, and Right. I I like having the winter because I like having those dark times because it gives you a chance to reflect and like... Yeah. 
I don't know. I if, feel like I miss that a lot. I really do. I, I really do miss that. Yeah, I, I mean, feel like it's, you're you're a former Midwesterner, you know, don't you miss the right. the like quiet uh, depression of of the snow? <laughs> I do. I miss it because I miss it not so much of the depression, but I feel like it's like overwhelmingly oppressive. Yeah, towards a thing where um, there's something about nature. Like when, when, when weather, anytime weather forces people to do something different than they were planning on doing. Right. I get like super happy because I'm like, you know what I mean? Cause I, I have a real problem with, uh, making decisions. I have like a real, I just will always, um, either wait to make a decision until it's too late to, to do anything but what is available or just like, just like him and haw and all this stuff like that. So yeah. if something overwhelming, like, like a snowstorm cancels a flight, it's like, Oh, great. Out of your it's control. Like, or just something like anything where it's like taken out of your control. I, I enjoy that. And something about the winter is nice in that sense. But I guess it's also both because a lot of times with winter, it's not overwhelming. It's like this sort of creeping, like creeping, uh, cold that suppresses you, but it doesn't do, it doesn't like prevent stuff. It just slows it down, you know, it just like slows things down to the point where certain things can't handle it and they die. <laughs> yeah. And then, well, and then you get the, you know, when it, when winter's over and it becomes spring, like right now it's just finally starting to get to spring here, even though it's still freezing. But right. when, when you get to that, it's like, ah. Oh, this year's going to be different, man. This summer, oh, yeah. look out. Holy cow, I'm going <laughs> to lose that 10 pounds. And it, it's, I, I would be unhappy without having the change of seasons. Yeah, um, that's definitely a thing. I've, I mean, there, there's, there's a thing called seasonal affective disorder, which I'm sure you know all about. Oh, yeah, we get it around it's, here. Yeah, it's kind of new. It's relatively new. I think some doctor discovered it in the fifties or something. Mm -hmm. But it's where you don't get enough, uh, don't get enough of a certain frequency of light in the winter and north. So people get, people get depressed. So they have to have like a light box. Yeah, they but, sell them here. They, they're little yeah. light boxes that you buy. They're supposed to, they're supposed to work. But then I think there's, I've also read about the opposite happening where people who live in places like LA or places that have like a monotonous climate. Uh, you get depressed because there's no change, and so you're not able to gauge time. So you basically feel like you're in fucking Groundhog Day or something because right. nothing feels like it's moving forward because everything is just the, every day is the same. And that's what I feel like that happens to me a lot of times where I just like I just don't feel time the same way because of the monotony of the of the weather. Yeah, because like. You brought up that album, and like I can remember it being super cold and being super miserable. Mm -hmm. But if it had been warm every day, I'd just be like, "Oh, I, I know it was warm, and I can't remember when that was." But it, yeah, yeah, you, you you can you can gauge things. You can be like, because that's like such an easy thing to remember is the temperature <laughs> like that. What was I wearing? Wearing a jacket? Oh, I was super yeah. miserable, but because it was cold, not because of anything else going on in my life. Yeah. The cold can be terrible. So, does your does your current relationship is she aware of? Uh, is she read this? Is she read any your your regrets? She's she's aware of everything. Okay. Yeah, yeah, got it. Because uh, that would be a weird situation to be in, right? You think that if you were with, I suppose, because you know, it's, there's there's a lot said there. There there you know, is, like but where... but like I said earlier to you, like everyone goes through these things, so they're not right. like. Sometimes I'll even write about stuff that's not even anything I was going through, but it's just like something someone, like a friend was complaining about. And so mm -hmm. 
you know, life is a struggle and everyone struggles and, and right. not, nothing's particularly unique just to me. Right. Um, can we talk about Creed a little bit? Sure. <laughs> Fucking A. Yeah. You have a, what's your relationship to Creed? It, it's more just like, <laughs> well, for, I don't like everyone, you know, taking a crap on them because <laughs> I feel the same. Well, I feel the same way. And, um, but I wanted, I just want to hear what you uh, have to say. Okay. Okay. It's like this. So when Creed was popular, like mm-hmm. popular, they were, I, they were fucking big. They were a big, huge, big old deal. Huge. And sometimes they're still popular, like, you know, in, uh, in my garage. I want gar- to sing right now. In my garage. Um, but <laughs> th- it, it was like, um, you know, you're working some 40 hour week job in a print shop or whatever with other miserable people and they just have the top 40, you know, classic rock or whatever, modern rock radio on mm-hmm. all day. And so you're just hearing these like same 10 Creed songs all day. And so it was this time in my life, whatever, again, late nineties. Um, and you're just hearing these songs. You're like, fuck these songs and fuck people who like this shit. And this is the worst garbage. And, right. Ah, uh, these fucking people I work with, they suck. You know, they love this terrible music. And I'm so much better than this because I'm into underground electronic music. <laughs> and, and it was just like, it, but eventually at some point you realize like, no, I'm full of shit. And, this music's fine. And so like now, you know, then years pass and it's like, holy shit, I have a fondness for this music. I, and so I'm proud to admit that like, I'll listen to Creed. I don't care. And, and when I do it, it evokes like feelings of nostalgia Mm -hmm. and, uh, happiness. And, you know, I don't have a problem with Creed. Yeah. I was on a real, um, cause I went to Florida state where they're from, they're from Tallahassee. Right. Right. Um, oh, I know. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. I actually met the drummer, Scott Phillips, I think, in a, in a mall in Orlando. Okay. And I got him to sign a napkin from Manchu Walk the, from the food court. <laughs> and I told him, like, I mean, I told him, I was like, hey, man, I'm so into you guys. I'm so into your band. And he was really nice. And we shook hands. And like, he signed it. But, you know. I was not being truthful. I was, I did okay. that as a, as a gaffe, as a joke, because we would always talk so much shit about it. Cause we you know I was worked in college radio, WVFS Tallahassee, West Florida State, sure. 9.7. Shout out. And, you know, so we're, so we're indie, indie elitists who like, um, who couldn't, you know, Creed's fucking terrible, right? Right. But then fast forward a few years to where among my group of friends that I hung out with when I first moved to LA. Okay. And still, still, still good friends with. Uh, Creed becomes the absolute most fun thing ever to put on a jukebox at a bar. Yeah. And to do something where it's like, looks like we're going to be listening to My Own Prison uh, <laughs> nine times in a row and get in trouble with the bar because you put on too much Creed. <laughs> so it's this thing where, like, you know, I, I'm thinking a lot about the nature of music and like pe- people like liking things ironically. And I kind of came to the opinion of through listening to Creed that there really isn't any such thing as ironic liking of music. It's like a thing where like I do like, like I love singing Creed at karaoke yeah, because it's funny. Mm-hmm. Also because it just fucking feels great to belt out that those Dude, songs ab- because absolutely. they're like, they're catchy and they're like, yeah, like 
torn apiote. <laughs> just, just all the bravado contained in that music. Just the way that Mark Tremonte puts his fucking foot on the monitors and just, they're so like styled. They're, they're so dialed into a specific style that's like, it's effortless and it's so much fun because it's, you can just indulge in it. Well, and even though, you know, say what you want about it being middle of the road or whatever and Mm -hmm. but i feel like they were at least still more genuine than than a lot of modern music is so now it's like remember when creed was popular was like oh these guys are just ripping off pearl jam and oh you know all these bands and it was like holy shit you thought it was bad then like look at things now like now it's even worse so if you thought yeah so then looking back at Creed now, it becomes like, hey, th- these guys were really trying and they were putting some genuine <laughs> effort into things and stop picking on them and, and making jokes about them. And it's like, you know, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I agree. I feel like it's, I worked in an office for a couple of years when I first moved to LA. I was listening to some, t- I was listening to, maybe it was Tom Petty or something. And this girl who's like, was about my age and she was said something to me, something to the effect of like, like, Oh, you really, you really like him? <laughs> like, or listen, she thought I was listening to it as a joke. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, why would I listen to Tom Petty as a fucking joke? Are you kidding me? <laughs> right. Like what's the, what's your, Oh God, go fucking choke. Like music. Yeah. It, it's like you said, music, uh, ironic appreciation of music is a tricky thing because you can act like you like something ironically, but before you know it, it's genuine appreciation. Oh, yeah. I and mean, I feel that way with, like, Britney Spears and some of that stuff. It's just, like, when you go, jo- like, if I go running, I'll listen to that. It's like, I this is so good. I can't yeah. handle how good it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah. It's... What about, um? because you have a lot of references to Bob Seger and to... um. To Barry, Barry Gibb, I blink, as well? Ah, uh, yeah, some of the, which, I forget which, you have a, which you album. You have a bunch of, and memories. I know one of them is a memory of Bob Seger. That's an early regret. Yes. This one's Doug Kenny. Yes. Um, I don't, I, I don't know who Doug Kenny is. Should I know who that is? National Lampoon. Okay. I didn't know that. And he, he wrote, he wrote, um, Animal House. But he, okay. he had a mysterious, um, at the time I was reading a book about him and just how he was, you know, trying to succeed. Um, and I think Animal House had kind of bombed when it first came out and he felt like a failure comedically and mysteriously fell off a cliff. And I don't know. Oh God. So yeah. he, he killed himself. Yeah. Well, no, it's still debatable, but I, I was really, really touched by reading that book about him and I probably sound like an asshole because I'm not saying exactly what was going on in his life because I can't remember. But oh. yeah, and then the the Bob Seger, all that Midwestern stuff just kind of comes from, you know, my dad blaring classic rock 24 hours right. a day my entire childhood. And so <laughs> it, it, it's, you know, the, the, the Seger, Mellencamp, uh, it, it, it's all. It's just there. It's like ingrained. Yeah. Yeah. It just, yeah. It's, it's by default. Um, but yeah, then Stunt Rock Volume 3 was dedicated to Terry Kath from Chicago, the band Chicago, who... Okay. Another kind oh, of... man. He accidentally shot himself, so... Oh my God, is that true? He, is that, was that the, is that the, the word, is accidentally? It was at a party in front of people. What do you mean? What was he doing? Was he fucking with he a hand or something? He was... 
he was screwing with a handgun, cleaning it, or just had it out and 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 made a joke and accidentally shot himself. And so, oh but he that people can people like to take a shit on Chicago and stuff like that too because it's whatever easy listening and yeah. But dude, those first few Chicago albums are just fucking insane. And he was an insane guitarist and. I don't know. It's. I used to listen to them with my friend Ben in his basement on cassette. We would talk about the girls we liked in like third grade or something <laughs> like that. Maybe second grade. It was, it was like early stuff. I don't, and I was, loved those Chicago songs, man. They're, they're the oh. best. I, we once went on tour and I bought or brought, um, Chicago's like first seven albums and we listened to them the entire time. <laughs> and Dan Dormouse just by the end of it was hated it. <laughs> Wait, so who was on, when was this tour? Who was it? There, we did tours like in um, 2000. We did like a East Coast or a West Coast tour. And it was just me, Dan, and Derek Basek from Los Angeles. Right. Basek, yeah. Still I see him occasionally. Still going strong. And um, mm-hmm. then we did our European tour. And um, we did like a East Coast thing too. I don't remember. It was more just like a- Same group of guys? Yeah, and it was more just a way to like waste some time during the summer and hang out. Yeah. Did the um did you have the did the bacon manager accompany you at all? Yes, uh I think both times or at least on the West Coast tour he did and he would Can uh, you talk a little bit about uh, about Mike? Um I'm not really, you know, at liberty to discuss his life, but uh okay. he, he was just a, a rowdy character. I always referred yeah. to him as a younger version of Benny Hill. Uh the, the supreme showman that would uh, do our intros and outros, and he had a voice that was more shrill and squeaky than it's, mine. Yeah, it's, it is a voice that is is um, amazing. It's like the most. It's I don't want to say cartoonish, but it just got this. It's such like. Oh man! I remember when I first heard it. I just hey, kept laughing at everything hey, he said. <laughs> hey, do you have? And he would I mean, he would trade all of our merch, our merch that we paid mm-hmm. to make. He would trade it all trade for, for drugs, for well, or yeah, whatever. <laughs> and um, <laughs> but I I just saw him and he's doing great. But he's he's just he's a character, and that's he is a, he's a character, very much a character. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So this guy who we're talking about is someone who, like Billy just said, <laughs> uh, was sort of like the. Manager in quotes, not really actually managing a whole lot. I took him on but, as my legitimate manager. Well, you did. Okay, to, I wasn't to sure. Book gigs and stuff, but he would only ever book me gigs in Madison because that was close, <laughs> you know, from Milwaukee for him to get to. And but he is an accountant, right? He's a he's a CPA. He, uh, yeah, I think so. Yes. Yeah, which is I, well, for me, that's what makes him so funny. Is he's like a he's a, a regular guy with a square job, but he's like. In the moment, he is, he's like a fucking gremlin. He's like Loki or something. He's literally, it, it's like, imagine Benny Hill at age, you know, 40. Um, mm-hmm. even though I don't know what he looked like at age 40, but it's just that, <laughs> it's that type of persona. And then, yeah, mixed with like, I don't know. Yeah. Like someone who's it's always kind of devious. Yes. Trying to run some type of scam to get something right. else to happen. And he'd call me and be like, I've got these girls that are going to come out. You just got to come up to Milwaukee, stop and get this and that and this. And then these girls will, and then be like, who are they? I can't tell you. And I, I would think you would be serious, but I would never go. 
Didn't he also perform, <laughs> not perform, but go under the name DJ Awesome Mix or something? Well, or wasn't that, 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 that was, was uh, no, that was, I don't, I feel like I shouldn't say, because it, it was just, uh, it was Dan and I screwing around. And there's somewhere, there's like five booty house tracks that I made and mm-hmm. five booty house tracks that Dan <laughs> made that would, uh, it's. And Dan's one booty house track is the best because it it's all samples of Philip Seymour Hoffman from Happiness when he's oh going. Are you all wet? Are you is your pussy all wet? <laughs> <laughs> During the scene when he's masturbating on the phone and ah, uh, they're they're great songs. But yeah, that was just kind of like an alter ego we started, and then we it was just an excuse to play booty house because what's what's better than it's fun playing booty house really loudly is is there some isn't there some recording where um mike is mike bacon manager is doing a lot of talking he's like he's like almost emceeing this thing i had some tape from dave i listened to at one point not that long ago actually yeah maybe like a couple years ago well he would remember being yes yes because he he would emcee as mc progressive p that's it progressive (laughs) p yes yes well i'll I'll have you know i i played a few weeks ago and he he did a performance with another guy talking on the mic and just rambling on the microphone over and over uh, oh my god i wish i could see that uh, i'll try to get a tape to you it it was something else to see yeah all I'll say about Mike, I'll say two more quick things about him. Sure. The first, when I first met him, is when that night that I met uh, Josh and Dan at the radio station, and Mike was with them. Yeah. And I walked into some room, and he popped out of like an empty rack mount okay. uh, cabinet, <laughs> laughing, and then he just gets my face and goes, ah, pack my beak. <laughs> <laughs> that was Pack my beak which i think is code for a certain type of drug yeah it was you know that yeah. was his his trademark uh slogan if if Pack he was, my beak yeah and then when we were at the barn party that one time i saw him i think he was just like super late at night and um he was asking about pills and i said i have some <laughs> i gave him one and uh he says i gave him an emodium ad which is an anti-diarrhea <laughs> medicine. And he asked me, he was like, ooh, is this up or down? And I was like, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be down. So I think be a, it's going to be a downer because <laughs> it's going to slow you down. And he took it right away. He just popped it right away. Imodium AD. Well, so he, helped he had a little booth at the barn and it was like a... <laughs> At, at raves, they started an organization that would test your pills to make sure you oh, weren't getting right. something bad. Oh and it was God. it was a play off that where he would just he would test your pill, but his testing I'd of the pill, him. his testing of the pill was just to take it. Right? Oh my God! Yeah, I'm. Wow, it's a hardy individual. I yes, think, yes, he's a good dude. That. I like him. Basic too. I remember seeing when I first saw Basic, he opened a beer with his teeth, just like no big deal, just. Uh, a b- bottled beer. Yeah, he was like teeth. he came to Milwaukee and started hanging, and he lived lived there with everyone for a while. Mm-hmm. And I don't know now he's now he's back in L.A. for many years. But yeah, there's stuff going on here. I always see announcements about stuff. I never never end up going to anything. I feel like I never see as much live music as I'd like to. But well, you probably shouldn't go because then you would wind up at an, an underground electronic music show, which is kind of not the funnest thing in the world. <laughs> Yeah, well, they've, they, I think they've changed. I think an underground electronic music in Los Angeles is a little different. It's not as, is it? It's not as like 
It's pro- it's probably a bit fancy. Lots still, of lots know? of art students and stuff. God, I don't even. I have no idea. I don't even know. I guess I'll have to go to one to find out. Probably a lot of college students, I guess. Yeah, or, right. I don't know. I mean, now everyone's on Molly. Oh, that right. That's the big thing. <laughs> Molly. That was the thing, because when we, when we would go to raves, when Dave and I would go to raves, we were, you know, like 17 or 18, we didn't uh, do any drugs at all. Yeah. So we, we never got into it through, like, the drug scene. Like, so many people got into it through the drug scene, because you go to these... Like, there were a lot of people who I talked to who would be like, they thought you couldn't go unless right. you were high. Like, how could you possibly enjoy this unless you're on ecstasy? Yeah. And we were just like, we were sober as hell. We were completely sober. We didn't even smoke cigarettes or anything. We were just like, just like take our shoes off and pound our fucking <laughs> shoes in <laughs> the air. Throw them in to, the air. <laughs> yeah, listen to like... Listen to Jack Trash or something <laughs> at the Quest Club in Minneapolis, but right, yeah, it's so funny because that was the thing it felt like with uh, with Addict always was it was a, it wasn't like a drug scene. No, it was it was it wasn't it like, was, yeah, it was a beer scene. I mean that that's what yeah. it is. It, it was like if if the rave culture was all drugs and high fashion, then we were beer and and shirtless and uh, you know cut and bloody and. It was the G.G. Yeah. Allen, the G.G. Allen aesthetic, I guess. <laughs> Completely. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. So as far as like, as far as like addict products and stuff like that, uh, so much of that stuff is just out of print, right? Yes. Like yeah. it's really hard to get. Yep. Cause I, I, I trove the website occasionally mm-hmm. and I'm always like seeing stuff. I'm like, oh man. But it's like, it's just, it's sort of like now it's an archive at this point. You can't really. Yeah, the th- the thing about doing music that's look out. <laughs> that's a fly. The thing uh. the thing about doing music that isn't doesn't appeal to a lot of people is that it's going to just you're going to do your initial run and then it's going to fall out of print. And mm-hmm. I used to be sad about that, but now I think there's something kind of not romantic Special. about it, but it's like all my releases now are only like a hundred or 150 mm-hmm. or sometimes I'll do two runs for like a total of whatever, 200, 300. And it's, I don't know. It's nice that way. Cause then it's gone. And, and I don't like, like I said about the self-esteem issue where I don't like the art that I make anyway. So now then after six months, it's gone. But it's, you can still see a lot of stuff on the website, though, can't you? Yeah, you can yeah, it's can, all up. Can you see the t-shirts? Can you see all the old t-shirts and stuff and all the old album covers? You no. You can't see that, can you? Man, it's just a memory. Yeah. It's just... Man. You should create... At some point, it would be great if you created, like, some type of, like, a, like an archive. Like, a, just a, just a, just of the images or something. Like a museum type of thing. Like a digital museum. Well, it's like... It, I do think about that a lot because it's like... It's a lot of work, though. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like, hey, if I don't respect what we did and the things we created by, you know, putting some type of memorial up to them, then how do I expect other people to, to respect them or remember them? And and then at the same time, you like complain like, Oh, nobody likes my music, but it's like, well, you yeah. treat your music career like shit and, and you don't, I don't know. It's hard to explain. It's, it's so like, you're saying like, yeah. If you don't respect what you did, how do you expect other people to respect what you did? Yeah, I believe RuPaul has a similar saying. I think is, so. Uh, <laughs> if you if you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love somebody else? <laughs> Something like that. That's what I was thinking of. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Well, can we talk a bit more about music in terms of like, uh, like what are some of your early influences and stuff that you, like I, we talked about a lot of classic rock and stuff and that's, <clears throat> that's, that's uh, prevalent, I guess, and maybe in terms of like tone and stuff. And, but as far as like other, uh, other music, what was some stuff that you listened to early on that really got you? Well, how, how did you even get into that in the first place? Like, how did you even find out about, uh, massive and all that other, all that stuff that was going on? Well, it was like, I still, cause I can still hear it in my music now. It's this, this solid foundation of like classic rock, mm-hmm. just from being <laughs> Midwest and, and, and my dad, Bud Man, work in construction. And, um, then the, the other whole half of it is early 90s gangster rap from like Texas, because my cousin, who is in the same grade as me, but, I didn't have a car. He had a car. Would pick me up every morning for school and just blast. You know, he had like a, a Suzuki Samurai, those Jeeps. Oh, yeah. That's and he a had flipper a, right there. He had a bass cabinet in it and everything. And <laughs> oh, he would just blare like uh, Eight Ball and MJG. And, oh, wow. Uh, Bone Thugs and Harmony. They're not, you know, but. Um, and so it was just. Dirty South. Yeah. Yeah, all that stuff would just like radiate in my head, and then I'd come home and my dad would play classic rock all night. So the, they kind of melded. But then once it got into high school, it was like I remember even growing up, my dad always tried to like like he would for some reason he would have like extra Talking Heads tapes he would give me and stuff like that. Oh, so cool! He was trying to like be a good dad and show me cool. Get you into Eno? Yeah, sure. Show me cool music, <laughs> and so it was like. Then I remember, like, in high school, I realized, like, holy shit, there's a whole genre of music that's called noise, <laughs> and it's just noise, and it was, like, yeah. the coolest thing to me. So then it was, like, let's go to the weird record store in Chicago and buy noise CDs, and let's listen to them, and yeah, then, like, that was when, like, drum and bass and stuff was starting to come out, and then... Fuck yeah, then I started like going to Dan's store and found all the Bloody Fist records and it was like, this is the fastest, most insane music I've ever heard and it makes me forget that I grew up in a small town and, uh, yeah. In the middle of, middle of the, in, in the, the middle tundra. Of yeah, right. That's so, I didn't realize that Bloody Fist was that old. I didn't realize it was so, um, such a precursor to all that stuff. I had no idea. Well, it was like, the same, not the same time, but a lot of that stuff was like 94, mm-hmm. 90, I think some of it was even 93, which okay. f- for the time. Yeah, that's early. Yeah, and when you think about yeah. it, and it's like whatever, 350 BPMs and then just cocksucker samples over and over, and it's, it yeah. was. Yeah, some of that stuff is so funny, too. And as far as the, like, um... I want to plug the uh, the Betamax rundown. Oh, right. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? I well, think people should... I, I said uh, earlier about that I've had all these Betamax for so many years, mm-hmm. and at some point, you know, it became so ingrained in my music, taking samples from the Betamax, but then I realized I'm watching all these old movies that no one cares about, <laughs> kind of like my musical discography. Right. So why don't I start somehow just talking about them because they're largely forgotten and it it used to just be like a two paragraph summary of a movie like some right. old tape i would watch and it's grown from there and it, now it's just 
in-depth analysis, screenshots, video, <laughs> soundtracks, so albums, cool. and it's uh and at the same time when I watch the movies, I still pull samples from them for music stuff and it's the most unrewarding thing ever because it doesn't <laughs> But you like it. I, matters, I love right? it. Yes, right. But it doesn't get me any money. Takes up like three weeknights. Yeah, each movie I usually <laughs> have to watch twice. And oh it's just because I got to photograph. I got to do all the screen grabs. Then I got to write about it. But through doing it, I found some of the like most incredible movies I never even knew existed. And so if you can stick with it and, and it's also that that whole thing of of being disciplined and doing something every week that right. really keeps you kind of focused i mean you know you have the podcast it's hard to do shit that gets done every week it's, it's very hard it's almost impossible yeah but um it's like it's, got, it's like a it's a grind it's a true grind yes and so to to get something that is like i don't know you you get this form of discipline and then you have this genuine it's a more genuine appreciation for these movies that no one even cares about Hard work and integrity. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's all true. coming full circle. Yes. Um, let's let's play a quick a quick clip from one, something from one of these movies from the Betamax rundown. Um, it's from me, me, no, 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 and then we'll uh, listen to that and come back. Okay. okay. Yep. <laughs> I'd like to get back to the city as soon as possible. The way this guy's moving. Uh, I'll say he's moving. AY forty the base. Those are I want every available car out on Highway 101. What? That's right. Pick up every hitchhiker. If they're moving out of the area, put them on a bus. I'll reimburse. 10-4. You farmers don't mess around. Listen, if this guy's going to do anything tonight, it's not going to be in my county. we're back yes yeah that's a that's a fun movie right there for sure it is yeah um which one would do what did we hear from you think that was the best one that we heard from my favorite uh betamax that i found recently was um well there's a couple um mike's murder starring deborah winger <laughs> mike's murder do you know that movie oh, no just the title is hilarious mike's oh, murder it's like a joke fucking fabulous and uh um, okay uh, the other one would be A Night in Heaven. Sounds good. It's got that, I don't even know. It's got a guy from something in it. A guy from something. I forget. They always find their ways into things, those guys do. The more you start reviewing all these old movies and they're all from like the early 80s and stuff, you just realize that like they're all connected because it'll be like this guy was in that. And then he, I don't know. It's. The, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't take much really. I mean. Like my personal Kevin Bacon connection is probably like I think it's only I'm only one away. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think so. I that and I haven't done that many things. So right. I just think like that. I don't consider the Betamax rundown like. I guess it's like being an archive archivist or, or archival uh, an archaeologist of um, mm -hmm. 
I don't know, pop culture, and I'm not just trying to watch things to be like, oh, look at these fucking stupid fashions. Like, it's yeah. a, it's a genuine appreciation of... Yeah, it goes back to that same thing we were talking about before, about ironic liking of something. How yeah. It's not, because I, I feel like there's some... Like, there's this movie called Alien Factor that you've probably seen. I, like I'm, look, I'm looking to see if it's on the wall. It might be. Oh. That movie is... It's a movie... It's on YouTube. You can watch it. There's, there's okay. a sample I always use in the podcast. It's a sound from that movie that uses like a bumper sound. Okay. And that movie is terrible. The acting is... Acting is atrocious. It's like not even acting. It's like the worst. But it's some... But it's still engaging and I watch the whole thing because it's like... I know there's just something kind of uh it's like a sincerity to it. There's just there's just something there that's that you like to watch even though like there's bad bad movies and there's bad good movies and they're not the same thing always. Right. Know? Like there there's yeah. you know whatever trauma movies where they're trying to be ridiculous and absurd and I don't really yeah. have a, a genuine like for those. But there no. sometimes there's movies where you just can tell they made bad decisions and it's like, "Oh, if you guys right. would have just tried to do this a little different, you could have had it." But People get passionate about, you know, their projects. And, and, and if you got a bunch of money to make a movie and it was 1984 and you'd be like super excited and, and you accidentally might hire a bunch of people who overact and <laughs> you might hire an airbrush artist that does a terrible box for you and then your movie is going to fall into obscurity. And yeah or there also is that chance that there's one aspect of it that's super redeeming like i feel like alien factor has a truly incredible soundtrack not not a soundtrack but a score yeah like it's an early electronic score that sounds amazing okay but everything else is kind of kind of terrible the same the same guy also made a movie called fiend which has this really great um or like special effects by using like i think he's painting on the film or something like that it looks really strange but it looks really good but Everything else is terrible. Like the, it's everything's like day for night, and it's terribly lit, and just oh, it's all this bad <laughs> stuff. It's so bad. Well, like the good stuff is great. Yeah, that that movie I talked about, um, A Night in Heaven. It's it was mismarketed, trying to be like some type of teen teen romance. Um, it's about a teacher who falls in love with her student, but. That's what the box makes it look like it's about. Um, mm-hmm. she's, she's like a school marm and, and he's like a, a sexy teenager. They all are, but, um, <laughs> he, he's particularly sexy. And, um, she goes to a strip club one night with her lady friends and he's there dancing and, 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 you know, that it goes from there. But that's what the box makes you think it about, thinks it's about, but really it's about like her husband. And their marriage falling apart. And he eventually confronts the guy with a gun and has this whole emotional breakdown. But you can tell they just edited the movie wrong. And it was like if they would have just made the focus of the movie about this husband, like a character study on this husband whose wife leaves him for a younger man, it would have been such a better movie. But, yeah, it's... Have you sampled that at all? No, um, because I just... I reviewed it, like, last year at some point. And it's still kind of like... It's sitting up there where I don't know what to do with it yet, but yeah. I want to play a clip from Regret now. Uh, maybe this most recent one from Regret 3, and then we can talk a little bit about Regret. Okay. Uh, okay, so here's a clip from the uh, 10-inch record, Regret <laughs> Instruction Manual 3. Never said it'd be like this, right? 
It's just you're alone, you peace and quiet, nothing around you but clear blue sky. No one to hassle you, no one to tell you where to go or what to do. latest this is an ep available on a seven inch 45 record complete with a massive and incredibly well detailed and well made booklet what's this life for oh man i just blacked out what i just blacked out you blacked out you blacked out i would be driving my car I would probably be drunk. It's a problem. 
So we just listened to a track from What's This Life For? And that is Stunt Rock. It's a it's an EP, right? Would you call that an EP? Yeah, it's just uh, four songs, a uh, seven-inch with... Again, I, I always think the booklets get underplayed or un, underrepresented, but that's a good 24-page booklet, and I do all, that, I, I do all that type by hand. I, I write it out. You handset everything. Yes. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty incredible stuff there. And so all those samples are from just, they're not, they're not all from Betamax stuff. It's a lot of that stuff is from TV, isn't it? Yeah, a lot of it's from TV because I got, sometimes with older movies, the samples always have that dated sound and. Right. I don't know. I started sampling a lot of just like shows about prison and, and, and newer shows, <laughs> you know, newer <laughs> stuff. Uh, intervention and stuff like where people are just talking uh, amongst themselves so you're like really into a lot of things that are like like serial killers uh depression and drug use and things like things that are dark and i mean i'm really interested in that stuff too but i think i feel like you've made like a a musical career out of it do you know what do you have any idea like what is drawing you to, to that I think about that a, a lot, like, why why am I constantly focused on, on darker aspects of, of uh, whatever society? Um, lots of serial killers, lots of drug use, and lots of um, just unhappiness. And I think it just goes back to, like, to loneliness, because uh, I think that's what started me out kind of down my artistic road was being lonely and, and seeking connection. So it just so happens that people that are struggling with, with various things are, are dealing with those same feelings of, of loneliness and, and unhappiness right. and dissatisfaction. And what not, do you think? Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, uh, what do you think is the difference in like, cause obviously you're not a murderous serial killer, and you're not like a. Well, no, that's. I drugs. wanted to tell you. I. No. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not obviously, but I don't think you're uh, any of those things. So, but you like think about it a lot, and you talk about it in your music and in the in the like the attached writings. I guess. What do you think is the difference between your your brain and those people, other people's that that you're interested in that clearly are like. Off the off the deep end to some extent, because you always feel um, when when you're suffering, you're kind of you're close to those kind of thoughts, um, right? You, you're looking for a way out. People that are are addled with drug addiction have are just looking for a way out. Um, serial killers find the ultimate way to connect and um rebel against society so it's just when you're kind of on the i guess the outskirts i mean it just it it becomes something that you connect with because i'm not going to sit there and 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 think about uh whatever funny movies and and happy things right. when i'm like struggling with with emotional issues and right it, it, to this day like when so certain people find my albums like the regret albums i'll get like you know 22 year old dudes that'll email me and be like hey you know 
I'm struggling with living in my mom's basement or, or, yeah. or dropping out of college. And, and it's like, thanks for making this album. I can really relate to it. And it's just, they're not people that are, are, are on the, the happiest wavelengths. And so I'm not on the happiest wavelength. I'm just kind of, I don't know, man. That's really hard to explain. It is hard. I know. I, I, I don't know. I think it's a, it's, it was a genuine question that I don't know if it's, if it's an even answerable thing. I just, I like philosophically, I wonder about that because obviously there's a difference between, between, um, thinking and doing, you know? Right. And, and I feel like, well, yeah. It, it, it's like, okay, to, to bring it back to Milwaukee and, right. uh, and Jeffrey Dahmer, it's like people think about that story these days, and I'm not trying to be offensive or anything, but people think about that story, and it's like, oh, he's was fucking so over the top, and he killed these people, and right. you know, whatever, did things to their bodies and stuff like that. That dude was just really lonely. And he was like stuck in this environment and he didn't know how to connect with people. And and so it's like, I don't, there's not sympathy there, but I guess you can understand like. I think sympathy is, I think it's okay to have sympathy actually. All right. Okay. I'll say it. I'll say it. I'll say it. I I have some sympathy, even empathy actually. I'll say I even have empathy for him because it's like, I don't know. I think to, to say that. To say that you could never imagine doing something terrible is to really think a lot of yourself. Right. And, and it's you like, know? you just, you, you can't, when you are having trouble connecting with people, it's, everyone reaches those points. And he just happened to take a segue. He didn't literally ride a segue, but he took a segue <laughs> off yeah. in, in a different direction where any of us could have gone off in that direction. But we had whatever, mm-hmm. maybe we got distracted that day. And, and it, but it's just like, it all stems out of loneliness and just wanting to connect with people. That's all he wanted right. to do was connect with people. And so same thing, focusing on drugs, depression, uh, it it all just comes back to loneliness and, and, and trying to like form some genuine connections with people. Have you seen the uh, the Dahmer, the most recent Dahmer documentary? I'm sure you have. Yeah, it it was on Netflix, I think. Yeah, yeah. pretty interesting. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, it really. I, I just I really liked hearing those guys talk though. That one that one uh, cop was just amazing. How they it's just. They could have How, left what it. Effect they, yeah. they could have left it at the interviews and not done the weird uh, reenactments. Oh yeah, that was a little much, because they they and not to again not to defend Jeffrey, but they did You're that thing sore. You're where sore they where they made him look like a nerd. And dude wasn't a nerd. If you look at some of his arrest photos, he was very nice looking, very muscular. Yeah. And it wasn't until he got into prison and got those stupid glasses that I, <laughs> that really started to look like a nerd. But. Yeah, Dahmer is kind of like a like a hipster hunk in a way. He's he was, like, man. He was. Yeah, fucking. He's like that guy from um, the wild, wonderful whites of West Virginia. Yes, you seen that? yes. Like Jesco, like you see pictures Jessica. of Jesco as right. a young man. He looks like a like a model in a, like a ad in Vice magazine or something. Right. You know, he looks right. like totally just like beautiful and like perfectly stubbled <laughs> <laughs> and high as fuck, high as shit. <laughs> I haven't you seen know, that. All... I haven't seen that in a while. I might have to watch that again. Oh, uh, it's great. I think yeah. it's a. I think it's outstanding. 
but people it gets like maligned because people think like it's taking advantage of them but right i think it's only it's only taking advantage of them if you look at it that way right if you're like if you feel bad for them but mm-hmm. you don't think you should feel bad it's the opposite yeah they should feel bad for you <laughs> so you didn't game the system right as, do you have any upcoming releases or anything that you want to talk about? I, I'm working on another one, another seven inch in book, but it takes me yes. forever. And so sometimes I just wind up putting one out every other year. And, uh, I'm not really trying to stick to any schedule or, mm-hmm. I don't know, not really trying to achieve anything. So I wanted to have what it about- out by Christmas, but I didn't. So whatever. Well, Christmas will come again, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> what about, uh, as far as like Attic Records goes, what's the current state of Attic Records? I've been trying to get Dan to get his computer hooked up and get making stuff again. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically just, I run the record label out of my room here and, and just ship old copies of stuff to people who seek it out. And, uh, I, I want to do new stuff. I'm the only one that's done stuff for a while. I finally, for years, tried to get, have a few get some to release something, and I did. And yeah, that stuff is out. That stuff is so good. The, um, the first have a few get some album listeners. <laughs> is it, is it available still? Yeah. I, I've got a whole closet full of vinyl copies of oh. it. Yeah. You have to, everyone has to buy that who's listening. It's one, it's so great. Like it's, it's a, just like it's it, made up exclusively of samples of I think Swayze movies. Patrick right? Swayze, just yes, it's a yeah. Patrick Swayze themed um, project, and um, it's two guys out of Madison, and it's been my favorite music I've ever heard. And finally, after many years of persuasion, I got them persuasion. Yeah, I got them to release. Another, <laughs> I got them to release another album, and and whatever we did, tapes and cassettes or tapes and CDs, good. and yeah. I got. I didn't. I didn't get it in time to get the tape, but I got the download. Oh, I got well, the Bandcamp. Oh, that's okay. So, listeners, go to Bandcamp and download because you have a Bandcamp that has a ton of your stuff. That's I available. do. It's it's stuntrock.bandcamp.com, and I'll put a link on the website for that for sure. And sure. You can also get have if you get some. You can also buy all the. There's a bunch of old attic stuff that's still available, right? Yeah. Yeah, there is a few that's available on our site. Um, well, but otherwise, it's like you had to be there, man. You, you been had there. to be there. It was a good Should've time been there to get that fucking badass Reagan shirt that says "Fear" on it. Yes, or the, that's the, the thing. All that stuff. I feel like all of the stuff you've made, all the design elements, still hold up. Like, there's not a. It's not one of them. The only thing. Here's how. Here's how old it is. I bought that T-shirt before I realized what size T-shirt I actually wear. <laughs> you know what I mean, like, like I was, I was still wearing T-shirts that were too big for me because I didn't realize. Oh, you're not, you're not this size. Sure, right. The, so the, the, the skater style, the big baggy shirt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So definitely invest in that stuff. I'm trying to think what what a good way to wrap this up is. It's just like, there's like so many disparate ends here, but. Uh, I mean, I guess you know it can be. It can almost be a to be con- to be continued. It doesn't have to be like a conclusion of sorts because sure, this is this is relatively easy and uh, painless and fun. Yeah, and there's there's always there's a lot more music to talk about and a lot more Betamax clips to play and uh, Dude, absolutely. things like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, what I do want to ask you is that the cool thing about that I want to let people know is that um, we kind of became in contact just randomly because you found out about the pod. How did you find out about the podcast? Um, cause I, I 
I told you last time we saw each other that right. I I still had my phone critter MP3s. Oh right, okay. And then it was like, um, oh my god! But that was that was back in the MySpace day. And then, yeah. uh, then it was like I think when I put that new album out, you bought it. And I always like see everyone's names, and then I remembered your name from because I, I bought a bunch of shit. Yeah, from that, and then I found the podcast, and I was like, "Oh, this is fun!" And yeah, yeah, it went from well, there. I just I, it's one of those things where this is this has happened a couple times with the podcast, but basically it was someone like I've listened to your tree music for a long time, mm-hmm. pretty regularly, and it's always been something where it's like. I've never heard anything that's like it. There's nothing. There's nothing that's like stunt rock. It's one of those things where, you know, like a fucking donut's a donut. You're not, yeah, it's not going to get any better because it's it's its own thing. That's not a very good analogy, but it's really, <laughs> yeah, that's not a very good analogy at all. Actually, it's, I'm usually good at analogies, but this one's not. But I feel like it's a it's a very unique type of music that I always felt like spoke to me because it's this thing where it's it's noisy. But it's also, it's so funny, but it's so dark, but all, right. it's musical. It's all these things combined that I didn't think it was possible to have in the same place. Because, like, if you look at like, your label mates, like, some of the door, Dormouse stuff, it's not the same. I mean, it's great. Right. It's really great, but it's not It's not the same type of humor or the same type of music. But I feel like um, your stuff is so unique, and I've I such, been such a fan for so long that when you emailed me, I was really just like taken it back so I was like wow somebody <laughs> who I'm a fan of is a fan of me it was like this crazy thing like holy shit like this happens this happens uh, it's happened throughout history and it's like it's happening and now it's happening to me it's like so, it was such a cool thing yeah absolutely and so like this is like the culmination of uh, of a long many many years of fandom so it's like it's pretty it's really cool is what I'm saying it's a, it's a very cool experience I think. yeah I, I agree Sam hell yeah so uh, thanks for thanks for being on Twisting the Wind, Billy. Billy Stunt Rock. Absolutely. And uh, listeners, be sure to get deeply involved in all of Stunt <laughs> Rock's products. Oh, that's what I kept trying to ask. What is CLF, CLFST? Does that stand for something at all? I don't even remember anymore. I think it meant that was the first record label I started on my own. And I think it meant clenched fist, but I don't okay. even remember anymore. That makes like, sense, because I was thinking it was like clit fist or something terrible. Oh, uh, well, if you want it to be, it can be. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, so check out all things, all things Dowie, uh, CLFST. Yes. Um, Stunt Rock, Addict Records, and all these things. There's a, there's tons of product available for you. So Absolutely. Uh, thanks for listening, and thanks for being here. Thank Stunt you. Rock. Thanks, Johnny. Bye-bye. Bye. And I am unfortunately seeing you. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'd like to take a bath. Oh, yeah, some bath oil. Bath oil? Mm-hmm. How about some avocado or some of this or some of this jasmine? How about this? How about this? It isn't. It's direct.
I beg your pardon. I said don't point at her, you creep. I was just telling about... Where the hell do you get the ass to tell anybody anything about class or who the hell's got it or what she typifies? You shouldn't even be in the same room with her, you pompous celibate. Just calm down. You're totally full of shit. You're all full of shit. Security Agency to assess and flag citizens of the country who may present a threat to its security. The NSA has clearance to wiretap by any means necessary. Tapped. Incidental recordings of private conversations from the files of the NSA. Now on feralaudio.com.